Here we go, the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. I am Eddie Cohn, host, creator of the show. Thrilled you're here. Happy holidays. I think we're around episode 195, 196. Thrilled to welcome Allie Owens to the show today. She's a yoga teacher, meditation teacher. She leads retreats. She teaches online. Her website, AllieOmYoga.com. You can find her on Instagram at AllieOmYoga. Uh, but she's up in Oregon now. I met her down here in Los Angeles. Just saw her at yoga studios. I think I took her class a couple times as well. Um, but I felt it was I, I felt it was really important to talk to her. And I've been also having a lot of conversations lately about this idea about dealing with anxiety. Especially now in this this world of um, viruses and technology, and Allie's a mom and she's raising two young children, so we talk a lot about dealing with anxiety, yoga practice, how Allie got into teaching and practicing yoga. I think it's a really thoughtful, interesting conversation, and I think anything that we can do collectively to reduce stress right now is is pretty valuable. I think the world is throwing so much information at us. Feels like it's just sort of a one-size-fits-all solution. And health is much more complex, much more multidimensional than just sort of a one-size-fits-all solution. It's the food you eat, the people you surround yourself with, your sleep, the information you ingest every day, meditation. I mean, I suggest... Every day, 15, 30 minutes, an hour of just alone time. It could be a walk. It could be just drinking some tea. It could be meditation. I think right now, quieting your mind, turning off your phone, finding some quiet time right now is so great for your health. So I think it's a wonderful conversation. As always, you know where to find me on Instagram at Eddie Cohn or the Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Please share the show with your friends. Again, you can find Allie on Instagram at Yoga. Big thanks to Allie for taking the time to speak to me. And thanks to you, as always, for listening, supporting, and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Where, where are you now? I am in Oregon right now. Okay. Is that going to be like a, a, a full-time move for good? Or are you planning on coming back? We will be going back and forth from uh, here in LA. We still have our house in Los Angeles, Hermosa Beach specifically. Okay. So um, we're actually going back there for Christmas and um, we'll probably go back a few times a year. I still have work opportunities in LA and we yeah. still love it down there and have all of our friends there. I think, um, you know, Lake Oswego for us makes a little bit more sense as far as a place to send our kids to school. So we'll probably do a lot of the school year up here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, and how old are your kids now? They are four and almost two. Wow. Yeah. I yeah. know kids. <laughs> well, it's it's weird. Like I, um, um, 
I mean, I, I have some ideas of what we'll talk about. My, my show has, is obviously mm-hmm. sort of, I feel like my show is more just things that I'm interested in. And of course, I have so many interests from like yoga and music and writing and social media and how I think that's sort of caused immense destruction on our society. But I, I, sure. I, I but I am. And look, you know, it's weird. You know, it's, it's like I can talk about that. But um, I think speaking to you as a yoga teacher and, and also having kids um, very young, I think right away I instantly I can't help but ask you, are you feeling a bit um, overwhelmed at sort of what's gone on the last two years and, and, and how to navigate raising kids in this world where it feels like they want people to inject this and wear these masks everywhere and then also just the insanity of, of, of technology. I mean, sort of what are you trying, what are you, what are you thinking or what are you juggling or am I overwhelming you by even asking this question? <laughs> No, it's okay. You can absolutely ask me this question. Um, It's, you know, I had my second at the beginning of the pandemic, literally weeks before we went into a lockdown. So in some ways, that was a blessing because I was already planning to be home, kind of cocooned in our little space. Um, And in other ways, it was really overwhelming because I couldn't really have guests over. I couldn't have help. You know, it was really just us in our little bubble and my husband and I leaning on each other and making sure my toddler's needs were met and my baby's needs were met and my needs were met. I mean, it was, it was a lot in the beginning and it wasn't even a lot just because of the workload, but I think because of the immense amount of stress that was placed on people because of all of the unknowns. Yeah. It's something where my practice was very important to me while I was going through that process because I really had to learn how to eliminate fear so that I could show up for Mm -hmm. my baby. You know, I couldn't bring the stress that I was absorbing right through social media and the news onto my family, especially onto my kids. I wanted to create a safe space for them. So if this was a temporary thing they wouldn't really have a negative memory of it right like I wanted to make it the best it could absolutely be for them given the circumstances because they're still learning about the world they don't really understand you know what a virus is they don't understand those things and so and they don't really need to you know they need to know what to do in order to keep them safe um you know, there was there was a lot of, there were a lot of adjustments we made and a lot of them were okay. Um, and there were little things that that we did that really helped, you know, all levels of health, whether it's physical or mental, emotional and spiritual. If it was me taking my daughter for a walk, my husband taking her for a bike ride. Um, you know, luckily in our community it didn't feel so like closed down. They kept the beach open and the strand open and in parks open. So, you know, there was still a little bit of interaction between people, but then there was all of these new rules and guidelines, you know, the hand washing and the masks. I mean, that's all just a learning process, but for them, everything's a learning process. You know, it's putting your shoes on, putting your shoes on is a learning process. And, and, and yes, it can be absolutely frustrating sometimes. And, you know, you're like, you know, you don't want to, 
I do remember there was a few times we would come back from the store and I'd be like, you have to wash your hands, you know? (laughs) And I was like, oh, I can't bring that anxiety onto her, you know? So just checking myself and just recognizing when I'm being anxious or I'm being, I'm feeling overwhelmed and just to like take a, you know, just to take a break. Are you, are you, I mean, I'm, I might be projecting, but, um, I I've noticed as I, as I got older that I have more anxiety issues than I thought. And it's something in, and it's weird. I'm sort of in this, I'm this strange mix of incredible homebody. I love being home and I certainly love my solitude. And I think that's sort of the artistic intrinsic quality of of how I function um but I also you know like DJing and I like being in the public and it's it I I love people and and it but I also am very aware of like the type of people that um I welcome into my life and I'm I'm very aware and and cautious um Mm -hmm. has anxiety been something that you um, have been something that you've sort of dealt with for a while, or is it something that uh, are you more conscious of it? Because as a parent, and I think about this, you know, as with my parents, because my parents I, I are exceedingly anxious, and that stuff certainly trickles down. Um, so is this something that you've become more aware of now that you have kids, or um, something that you sort of have thought about for a while? Yeah. Well, I mean, let's talk about the word anxiety. I mean, when I was 16 and 17 years old, I didn't have the word anxiety Hmm. in my repertoire. Right. So I didn't know then that I was experiencing anxiety or that I was having anxious thoughts up until really finding yoga. Right. Hmm. So until it's kind of like when you're sick, right. You don't really know you're sick until you're starting to feel better and you're like, Oh, I'm not so sick anymore. I'm not so anxious anymore. Um, because yoga for me, I found yoga in college at UCLA. I just remember feeling very grounded and connected to my body and to my breath. And, you know, at the time I was a dancer, so I was crazy anxious. I was going out on all of these auditions. I was nervous about being perfect for performances and I never really labeled that as anxiety. You know, mm. you could label, I thought it was like perfectionism or whatever, you know, whatever that was. But yeah. now looking back, I can see how anxiety has been a part of my life for really the vast majority of my life. You know, my parents were divorced. That caused a huge destabilization within our family structure. And then it just kind of catapulted from there. And it wasn't until I found yoga that I had these practices to just, you know, ground that energy a little bit, become aware of my own thoughts, and then shift it so that I no longer was constantly anxious, you know, and nobody like cures everything forever. Everyone's going to have anxious thoughts here and there, you're going to see it trickle up, but it's the consciousness of it trickling up that puts you back in the, you know, back in a position of power. Yeah. So I think, for me, you know, I, w- I would say that I had a lot more anxiety after my first, pre- you know, after I had gave birth to my first child, to my sure. first pregnancy. And because I just didn't know what to expect, you know, I just had no idea what I was getting myself into. You know, I went in with a 
full and open heart and just a lot of really good intentions and things happened in the first couple months of my daughter's life that just kind of threw me through a loop. Like I didn't know that I was going to breastfeed my kids for three years. I had no idea I was going to go on that journey. And that caused, you know, some limitations as far as like how far I could be away from my kids and for how long. I mean, so there was like a huge physical shift and then there was this identity shift and then there was all of these adjustments that I was needing to make along the way and also just decisions that I was having to make for her, you know, there was just, it was just a compounded thing. So I think, you know, there's, you know, there's regular anxiety that most people feel. And then, you know, there's postpartum anxiety that can lead to postpartum depression. So, and that's more like actual chemical, you know, because you have this huge hormonal crash after you give birth. So it's, there's, there are like a lot of different things that are happening within your body chemically when you're giving birth and you're building a baby. And then there's also just the societal pressures of being a new mom. Yeah. So I'm just so grateful that I had, that I had a practice already and that at that time, I also had a support system. So, you know, my second child, I didn't have nearly as much anxiety, Mm. but I also didn't have a support system. So I couldn't go to, you know, Patty Quintero's postnatal yoga classes anymore and cry my heart out. You know, I could do, I could do it on my mat at home. And that was really great. Um, But again, I just feel really lucky that I went through that initial phase of transformation when I was able to reach out for support in whatever way that looks like for somebody. And then in my second one, I just felt much more equipped. You know, I'd been through it before. It wasn't, it wasn't all new. Yeah. So I felt a lot easier. I was thinking about, like, for me, I think I got I got really sick as as a kid. Uh, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease when I was twelve, and um, I, you know, I've been in good health, knock on wood, um, for and off medication for like over twenty years. Um, mm-hmm. So I think anxiety has this strange. You know, you brought up perfectionism. And for me, I think my anxiety comes from, I'm not very religious. And I think when something, maybe divorce could have a similar sort of effect. I don't know. My parents are still together. Um, but as George Costanza said in, in Seinfeld, you know, his parents are together and, and he was always a anxious wreck. So I, maybe that doesn't mean anything. But I guess mm-hmm. I think because I'm not religious and I was really sick, I, I think... It's, faith is really hard. For, like, it's really hard for me to trust that everything's going to be okay. Yeah. I think that's something that I really struggle with to this day. And I think it's why I sort of challenge myself um, to travel outside of the country because it's this sort of new experience where mm-hmm. I think it's really important for me to try new things because it forces yeah. me to sort of go through that front door of fear and once I get to the other side, you know, 
the anxiety lessons. And I think a great way of, of challenging myself um, is to travel to foreign countries, new places, see new things. Um, I, I think as I've gotten older, that's that's sort of a practice that, that I know makes me feel less anxious. Um, now, I, ironically um, or paradoxically, we are forced inside or we have been. And so I can, I've sensed over the last two years that my sort of agoraphobia and anxious tendencies have certainly come back again. So I'm, I'm sort of back to dealing with those again. Um, but do you feel like, you know, you brought up not sort of a turn towards you, um, perfectionism, uh, parents not being together. I mean, where, what, where was the perfectionism coming from? I and mean, was it just you sort of like, demanding perfectionism out of yourself and why i mean because i could see why that would create a whole other level of anxiety also yeah well i grew up as a dancer so i think being a dancer you you're definitely working towards the perfect angle perfect leg lift the perfect body perfect look i mean and then there so there was that and but i mean i guess the but i can't really blame it on that because I don't, I don't even know where I got that image of like, this is what I'm supposed to be, or this is what I should look like, you know, but I did. And now looking back, it really was just embracing who you are as being perfect, right? Because even dancers now, they all have their own unique styles and characteristics and that's what makes them awesome you know for me yoga really was that journey towards embracing who I am how I am what I look like all of those things and um and pregnancy too even though you go go through this huge physical shift and you grow a baby I never felt more confident in my body than when I was pregnant Hmm. it was just like whoa I have this whole new level of appreciation for my body and what it can do. And I'm never going to mistreat it like that again. Um, And when I first started teaching, there was that, um, there was a quote that I read, self-observation without judgment is the highest form of enlightenment. So it was like just peeling apart, like just peeling back all of that judgment that I had placed on myself and probably others and just letting things be as they are rather than labeling them right or wrong, good or bad. Um, And it's a constant practice that I also have with my kids, you know, because I see now where we put that pressure on kids, good behavior, bad behavior, right way to tie your shoes, wrong way to tie your shoes. You know, it's like maybe we can just release the judgment a little bit and let them be kids and then see what it is that they do and let them figure it out. You know, see what works and what doesn't work versus like that's right and that's wrong. Um, yeah. Because now, you know, I mean, this is where actually social media has been really great for me is I can follow child psychologists and people who are, you know, it's Christmas time, right? Maybe we're not going to make naughty or nice lists. Maybe we're not going to judge our kids and say, Santa's going to bring you presents only if you're good or Santa's going to leave you coal if you're bad. Like I never thought to just break the mold. Do you know what I mean? Just don't do what you've done before and do something differently until somebody's like, you don't have to do it that way. 
you know, and that's pretty freeing as a parent. Um, So that non-judgment was very liberating for me personally. And then also having that lens as a parent just really empowers me to raise my kids in the way that I want to raise my kids, like not in the way that I was raised or society is telling you to raise your kids, like just do what feels right for you and your family. Yeah. Um, that is, that's a pretty empowered place to pee. And then you can make, you know, conscious choices along the way. And sometimes you pivot and sometimes you do what you've always done, you know, and it's just a, that's kind of just the journey. Oh, but I wanted to, um, talk a little bit about that trust thing that you mentioned. Um, because I have that too. And, you know, control is like really, um, it's just so attractive, you know, like yeah. knowing I'm, I'm a Virgo, so I'm a planner. And so yeah. I used to just plan out everything to a T, what I was going to eat in a day, where I was going to go in a day. And, you know, if something didn't go according to that schedule, you know, I'd get my anxiety or like my little mental interruptions. Um But then when I became a yoga teacher, I kind of had to let go of some of that control, right? Because you walk into a class and maybe you have a sequence planned out that doesn't work for the students in your class. So you kind of have to trust yourself that you have the tools you need to offer maybe something different, you know, Um, and knowing that you could do that, it creates this like conversation with your students that I feel is much more powerful than trying to say like, I'm the teacher and I know it all. Hmm. It's like, no, we're, we're in this dialogue together. You know, you're here to learn something. I have like a set of tools that I can share with you. And, you know, and sometimes that works for smaller class groups, which is kind of where I thrive. And, it might not work for really big classes, right? Like what we're used to at yoga works, you know, sometimes you do have to kind of stick to the schedule and then make little modifications along the way because you want to keep everybody safe. So I had to like start letting go of some of that control a little bit, like really surrendering and trusting myself. And then I think, you know, having kids really put that into like accelerated that where I had to just really let go of the control. I had to really let go of what I wanted to do or how I wanted things to be even the process of giving birth. I mean, it is all about letting go of fear and stepping into trust. And I think that when you do let go, you know, like let's say you go out of the country or let's say you like let go of your plans for the day or you're feeling overwhelmed because you can't get everything done. You're like, I'm just going to be where I am right now. When you start doing that, it's like you're kind of testing the universe a little bit. You're like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to take a back seat here, universe. You can drive the ship for a little bit and you start to actually witness how it literally just like lays out this path for you where everything gets done without so much of your energy and effort.
Do you have faith and do you, are you worried about, I wasn't planning to ask this, but um, I do you worry about dying? Because I think part of my, um, I'm in the best, I feel um, immense gratitude and I feel really healthy and um, I'm, I'm very productive and my, my brain is highly functioning and I feel very um, grateful about eating and walking and, and so, so I felt my appreciation for very small things to in, in really um, increase over the last few years, even before the pandemic. Um, but I think because I'm not religious and I am scared to die and I don't know what's going to happen next, that that does sort of create this mad rush uh, in, intuitively where I feel like I have to get as much done as I can because my time is limited and uh, I don't know, once once sort of 60 hits, and I know that's a ways away, but it's still, it, it's life just moves so fast. So uh, I don't know, like, do you do you have faith that, that everything's going to be okay? Or do you worry and think about like what's next? Or am I just projecting? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think this pandemic, right, really brought forward people's fear of death. Hmm. Right. It's just so it for me, it was just so clear. It was like, that's what really helped me step out of fear at the beginning of the pandemic is just being like, Allie, you are going to die at some point you will die. And it's it, it could happen from the virus. It could happen from a car accident. It could happen when you're 89 and you're laying down and you just peacefully fall asleep. You know, I mean, you just don't really know. And I guess the only like thing that still terrifies me about that is just that I want to be present for my kids' lives. Like, yeah. you know, I want to see them grow up. I want to see, you know, my kids first game and want to be able to give her a hug if she's ever feeling sad I mean you know you want to be there for your kids but as far as like my own life and my own spirituality you know I grew up Catholic I went to a Catholic high school did all the things and um (laughs) and I just didn't buy it you know I just wasn't into it I don't know if it was because I was thrown into it that I rejected it but I just you know, I read the Bible, I read the scriptures, but I was more interested in world religions. And, um, and I took a world religions class in high school, studied world arts and cultures at UCLA, and then had a um, world religions book in my first yoga teacher training. So for me, they were all kind of saying the same thing. It's like, we're part of this universal energy and life force and your body's going to decompose and it's going to become one with that energy and that life force. So for me, I might not have the same consciousness that I have right now when I die, you know, I might not be able to do the things that I'm doing right now, but for me, that's just such a, a reminder to live more presently with the people that I love. Right. Like, You know, there was there was like an energy in me in L.A. that felt like I needed to do everything and that I needed to do it fast. And then suddenly I just got 
hit with this like reminder of like, you need to slow down, you know, like when your kids are sleeping, you should probably just nap next to them and let that be enough, you know, and not feel like I needed to get up and just do a, a bunch of different things that probably in hindsight didn't really matter. And I think you actually start feeling that too. when you start to simplify your life. Like I remember when I cut CVS out of my list of places to go shopping, like <laughs> I was like, I just spent so much money on stuff that I just don't need. You yeah. know, when I started really believing in my body's own ability to heal using natural remedies rather than all of these pharmaceuticals. It's like, it was just such a liberating process. And I still feel like that lives on after, after you die, you know, I just feel like the memory of me will continue to live on. Like the essence of me will be out there, but my physical body and this physical consciousness, I think it's just going to blend with the universe and, in that same way, it'll always be there. You Here's something that I struggle with, um, not only just as a human being, but as a yoga teacher. This word judgment. You know, mm-hmm. I, I see why we say anti-judgment or I'm not judging, but I think intuitively our brains and our minds just are wired to judge. We, or we make an impression. We, we instantly have an impression about everything we see and do. At least I think I, I do. And, and I don't. Now, I guess my, my, I'll say that on top of that, the question is how am I reacting to those impressions? You know, am I being prejudicial or am I overreacting or am I thinking I know this person before hearing them speak. I, I, I don't know. I think there's a sort of an instinctual reaction slash judgment that just happens whether we like it or not. Now, maybe I'm completely wrong. Of course, give your opinion. But sort of the other area that I'm sort of sliding in with that is you mentioned something about like the media and your kids. I mean, I do think the media and, and magazines and, and what we see and and the pretty pictures and now, of course, social media has just amplified that ad nauseum. I do think all of that does sort of seep into our brains and sort of um, subconsciously gives us mm-hmm. an impression. Like, I didn't know anything about L.A. until I moved out here. All I really knew about L.A. was a couple times when I visited and Three's Company. I mean, Three's Company when I was younger, gave me an impression of like the lifestyle in, in Los Angeles and, and how naive of me to think that way. But I was maybe 10 or 12 because that's what I was consuming. But I feel like human beings are sort of constantly struggling with, you know, the impression we're being given by the world. And that could be the media, the news media or, or um, but then also I feel like we instinctive, instinctively just sort of grow up with impressions by what we're consuming. I don't know. I'm, I'm conflicted by all yeah, that. Yeah, I, I mean, know. watching my little kids, their brains develop. They're just sponges, you know. They learn language by themselves, practically. And by four, my daughter's vocabulary is pretty impressive. And you have to think about that in terms of just language. Then you look at all of the images they see 
and they repeat everything back Mm. that you say to them. So, you know, you know, one of the things I like to say is that sometimes I'm grateful that I didn't get my way. Like Mm. I'm grateful that I thought for a long time that I was going to move to New York city and live this like high vibrant life um, working in Broadway because I worked for a Broadway theater company for a long time. And, you know, my Manhattan ended up being my Manhattan beach because I was offered to stay with one of my girlfriends from college after I quit my corporate job. And she's like, you can move in with me in Manhattan beach. And that was just such a blessing because I had this wonderful apartment two blocks from the beach. And that's where I learned how to meditate. Hmm. And, you know, I was teaching yoga and I was walking the strand every day. And I just feel like I'm so glad I didn't get my way. Like, I'm so glad that I, you know, wasn't attached to this rent lifestyle. Did you see rent the musical? That's like literally what I was. I, I don't know why I idealized that, but I just loved that starving artist sort of persona. And I just see how toxic that would have been for my body and for my life versus like going on this healing journey through yoga and meditation. And I'm just so glad I didn't get my way. Right. Like yeah. I'm so glad that I opened my mind to what I had thought I wanted because this is again, where you kind of like let go of that control because sometimes the universe has a better plan for you. And you don't see it until you look back and you're in hindsight. And you're like, wow, that was really, that was a blessing, hmm. you know, Yeah. that my life did it that, you know, that life did it that way. And then I saw the opportunity that was in front of me and I had that connection to my intuition. I was able to do that gut check and say, yes, I'm going to do that. Or no, you know, I'm going to go a different way. It does feel like, um, society's really pushing people to be a particular way. And it, it's like, it, it takes a mm-hmm. lot of strength to sort of not do, you know, the nine to five or, you know, in, in your case, going to, to Manhattan, to New York City. I, I don't know. It's, it's really, I think it's harder now to um, be your own person. Um, I feel yeah. like, I don't know. I feel like this, this sort of subconscious um, movement to um, get people, I, I feel like, people are thinking more similarly and it's really hard for them to, you know, be themselves. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned um, a while ago that you're getting more anxious, the older you get, I think there's just so many more pressure, Mm. so many more responsibilities as you get older. I think it's natural to have more anxiety as you get older because there's, you know, there's a consequence to all of your actions to a certain (laughs) extent. Like, gotta put food on the table you know you gotta um you know you gotta plan for retirement whatever it is you know so there's a level of anxiety to that because now you see the results of your choices and you know for some people that's a very empowering place to be so now they can make better choices just because i'm in the thick of motherhood i keep on using my kids as an as an example but you know you they have this epic tantrum or just meltdown and it's my job as their parent to hold space for it but I'm pretty positive my parents did not hold space for my tantrums (laughs) like you know and 
I don't really like lose it. I don't get out of control necessarily. And maybe that's because I was never supported, right? And releasing those emotions. And so I, I bottled it in, right? Yeah. And I think as what we're seeing a lot of right now is that a lot of people who kept it together, right? Who bottled it all in, they're just feeling a lot of pressure. It's like the water is starting to boil and then the lid has to like lift eventually, right? You have to release that energy eventually. Yeah. And so, you know, we see a lot of like spewing and stuff like that on social media because now they finally have an outlet to just express their voice and their opinion and whether or not that's healthy or not is like, again, a judgment. But I just think that, you know, all of the social pressures you felt growing up in high school and middle school, it's like social media to a certain extent is an extension of that. It's like everybody wants to fit into this mold, even like being an influencer of like, this is what you need to do if you're an influencer. Even though, again, going back to my dance example, like the one thing that's going to set you apart and help you just to launch your career forward or whatever it is you want to do really is just by embracing your own individuality, like your own unique traits, your own unique gifts, because it's it's in the comparison that you lose sight of who you are, yeah. right? The comparison is the thing that is going to strip you of your power. But if you can just stop comparing yourself to everybody else, all of a sudden you're left with yourself and you're like, oh, okay, I'm actually pretty awesome. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't, I don't need to be so hard on myself all that time, all this time. Well, I, I, I will make a judgment and say that what social media has done is I think it's, it's rewired people's value systems and that is more yeah. that is more important this sort of idea of feeling famous feeling like people like you and and respond to what you have to say i feel like um our culture has become addicted to that and um i guess with with two kids that are very young are you um, going to allow them to have a smartphone? It's it, it, like, are you, I know are, it's are such you, a hard to question. Are you having, I don't even know. Yeah. I have no idea. Cause I think it's all changing so fast. So I try not to even think that far ahead. You know, my kids are, you know, the oldest one is four. So the soonest she would have a smartphone is what, like six years from now, if I give it to her at 10, probably 14 and it's going to look different. You know, it's not going to be, not going to be a handheld device you know it's funny because mm. i was driving today and i was like gosh do you remember the days of walking into blockbuster yeah of course no when you used to go and like pick out a movie and then you have your vhs tape but um and that wasn't that long ago <laughs> no. you know so i just i try not to think too far ahead because i think it's going to look a lot different by the time i have to tackle those questions um but i know a lot of parents who really do struggle with it um and i think being the role model is the most important thing you can do. Um, really valuing quality time, you know, with your kids, putting your phone down when you're around them, making time to eat together, um, 
all of those things just because when you step away right from social media if you take a social media break or like you step away from the internet for a while this is why I love retreats so much you realize how much better you feel when you're actually connecting to people talking with them looking them in the eyes eye contact and then you start to crave more of that, yeah. you know, and just becoming the witness to your addictions, right? Because it's an addiction. Mm-hmm. Like if you feel like you need it, then it's an addiction. Becoming the witness to that, that's where, again, you start to have choice. And you say, okay, what are my own limitations around this thing? You know, what boundaries am I setting for myself and how can I be a role model for that with my kids? Hmm. So when they come to me and they're saying, I'm struggling with this, everyone's putting out these cool TikTok videos. Like you can just say, is that you? Like, is that something you want to do? And you can help coach them through it maybe because you've been through it or you actually have boundaries yourself around it and empower them in the choices that they make you know because it can also be a very beneficial thing where you could use tiktok as a medium to spread good information out there in the world or maybe you feel really create like empowered as a creator and you create these beautiful videos that inspire people to travel i mean i find that there's, you know, there are positives, positives and negatives. And it's just like, however your mind is attaching to that. I actually just read this sutra. Like, however your mind is experiencing that is going to dictate whether you're experiencing pleasure or pain. So if like you have a positive attitude towards it, you're going to experience pleasure. But if you have a negative attitude towards it, you're going to experience pain. So it's just watching you, what's coming up for you, what's boiling up inside of you is going to dictate how you're experiencing that thing. Yeah. And we're talking about social media, but that can really be applied to anything. It could be a person. It could be working out, right? It's like, you know, I was doing core work today and I was like, gosh, there's two ways to look at core work. You could look at core work as like a chore and I have to do this to have six pack or you could do this as like, wow, this is helping to, for me to feel stronger in my body. And just that like little shift that you make your mind is going to shift the energy that you have towards it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I just think for me, for me, it just all comes back to self-reflection. You know, it's really getting to know yourself better because the more you, the better you know yourself, the better you're going to be able to help your kids. UCLA yoga. I mean, I know that's that's. But just give me a little bit more meat on the bones in the sense that, like, you know, yeah. what were you feeling or thinking? Were, were you thinking I need a change, or and did you get into yoga because you thought that you were actually going to teach it, or it was just something that you wanted to learn more about? I mean, I'm just kind of curious a little bit more about that sure. that, that entrance into that world. Yeah. Uh, so I 
So I was a world arts and cultures major with a focus in dance. So I focused on worldly forms of dance. And one of the classes that I was able to take was a yoga class. Uh, So from the very beginning, I kind of came in to yoga from the lens of it being a practice from India, right? So I learned about philosophy, I learned I learned and the poses were part of it, but it was part of the framework of what yoga is culturally. And so that was just such a beautiful introduction. You know, the class was in the evenings and I had this teacher who was just this little guru from India and she was just wonderful. And she just slowed things down. And I remember balancing in warrior three and just actually hearing myself breathe. And, you know, I knew my body very well being a dancer, but I just felt present in my body in a way that I hadn't really felt before. Again, I was like super anxious. So for me, this was my first experience of not being anxious anymore. Like I was actually grounded. I felt my feet connect to the floor. When I did headstand, I felt my head connect to the floor. And just having this awareness of those body sensations for me was just the medicine that I needed. It was what I needed physically and emotionally and mentally. So I kept doing it. And I went to um, the free Lululemon classes on Barrington after going to the farmer's market on Sundays. It was like my own little ritual. And, um, And from there, I met you know, all of my teachers that I came to practice with in Santa Monica. And then when I was working full time, I worked for the Pantages. uh, Well, first worked for the Greek theater, and then I worked for the Pantages theater. And I would go to yoga classes up uh, in Sherman Oaks. I was just taking yoga whenever I could, you know, like I was taking on the weekends, I was taking it at night. And I just loved it so much. And I wasn't planning to become a yoga teacher, but, you know, a yoga teacher training was kind of offered to me or I was offered a scholarship. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I mean, this can be a plan B, right? Like, you know, I want to learn more about it anyways. I love it. The, uh, The teacher training happened to be outside on the weekend. So I wasn't, you know, putting myself back into a indoor environment um and i just loved that um and then like it all just kind of like snowballed it was really interesting so i did the teacher training and then i got offered classes brian kest offered me my first classes at power yoga sure okay he um i had subbed a class for vetus and gotten really good feedback and he pulled me in and was like, I want to offer you this slot. Vetus is leaving. You can have his old classes. And I was like, oh, my God. And it just, like, happened to work out. It was, like, an 8.30 class at night on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I I took it, and, uh, and that class grew. And then there was an administrative shift in my office, and it just really – ruined the dynamic for me and I was also like planning to fly to Bora Bora with Brian Dice Mm -hmm. and I remember them being like you can't go on that trip and I was like okay well then I think this is the end (laughs) because these are like this is what I want to do 
And if I can't do the things I want to do, like, again, life is too short, right? Like, I just, for me, uncertainty felt more thrilling and inviting than like leaning back into comfort. It just felt like I was either going to live my life or I was going to like slowly die. And it's not because my job wasn't wonderful. I loved my job and I loved the people there. Um, But just for where I was in my life, I just kind of decided to live. Like I just decided to take a chance and I didn't have a lot of money in my bank account. It just I actually happened to total my car, which gave me $10,000 in the bank. And, um, and that's how I started. And it was amazing, you know, and then I met Tamal and Tamal like introduced me to all of these people who helped me get more classes and Bri helped me get some clients. I mean, it just, that's where I feel like just showing up really is how I became successful teacher. I just kept showing up and and you meet the right people and the right people help you help you along the way. Yeah. Well, so you really met yeah, all the people you're saying I know and so you really um were were I feel like yeah, I've 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 seen Yeah, it. without knowing who they yeah. were. Like I didn't know that they were going to help me in that way. I just like really loved yoga. You know? Yeah, yeah. I just and I wasn't planning to teach. It was just really a leap of faith. Um a leap of faith in that way. But yeah, I mean having the people in the beginning believe in me that I will be forever grateful for that because it's just, again, I'm really glad I didn't get what I wanted. <laughs> like, I'm glad that I just did what I needed to do and what felt right in the moment. Are you still teaching now, like up up north and, and, and down here? Or what's what's your schedule happening like now? I'm So I'm just teaching online as, you know, everyone is in the pandemic. I still submit classes to the Green Yogi online and I still post classes on YouTube. And I am currently working on a online teacher training. Um, and, you know, submitting content, working with different corporations, doing private stuff for these companies, even doing social media stuff for other, other companies, online meditations and stuff like that. So just kind of like little things here and there. I'm kind of working part-time until my oldest is probably old enough to go to school. And then hopefully things will calm down and I can make it back into the studio. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it feels good though. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking that I think that's, I was teaching, and then I, I, I promise I'll let you go, but I was just thinking, I was teaching online uh, for, I guess it probably was about a year, and then I broke my ankle last Christmas, it, coming up on a year, and so I had to be in a boot for a few months, um, and I just, I just, at that point, I stopped teaching online. I, you know, it's, it, I, I know that I was bringing a lot of joy um, to people, and it was it felt like that first year, I could tell that I was sort of the shining part of their day. And that was really, um, it felt like, it felt great. It felt like I was giving people, like we were still on a routine and I was still seeing familiar faces from my classes. Um, but there is this sort of, you know, this has been a great talk and it's been great to see you, but there is still like this wall, you know, um, yeah, I think the in-person experience is pretty invaluable. Yeah, it's, you know, online is extremely convenient. And it's been really great for me during this chapter of my life when I want to be present with my kids as much as possible. Um, but having that, um, 
that space be held for you as a student and to hold that space as a teacher, you just can't get that online. Yeah. You know, you could do your best. <laughs> right. And you can, and that's pretty good, right? Like it's still you still get a lot of the benefits, but you know, we're meant to live in community. Yeah. I really believe that. Well, yeah. um, if, if can people take your class, like, so can anybody take a class of yours right now or, or not? Yeah. I mean, you could take it online okay. um, and then just stay in touch. You know, you can go to my website, which is now aliomyoga.com and then you can find me everywhere at Ali Om Yoga. And, you know, when I'm offering events or classes or meditations, you'll be the first one to find out about it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just I thought about you like a couple weeks ago, and um, I thought it would be really good to see you and talk. And I, I feel like I learn more about you now. But I always got the impression that you were easy to talk to. I think that subconsciously was something that I was thinking. So I'm stoked that you made the time to talk. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah. I appreciate that. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was nice to see you, and have a great rest of your day. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Bye, Ali. Bye. Big thanks to Allie Owens. Thanks, Allie, for taking the time to be on the show. Thought that was a wonderful chat. I sort of, as, as I end the year 2021, I'm going to leave the show and ask you this question, all of you. What can you do in 2022 to alleviate some of the anxiety, the nonstop onslaught of information that is coming at you every single day can you turn any of it off can you keep the phone off can you meditate every day go for a walk every day i think that is the theme of 2022 what can we all do to relax thanks as always to all of you for listening supporting the show please share the show with your friends that's incredibly helpful Write a review on iTunes, Google Play, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes. You know where to find me on social at Eddie Cohn or on Instagram at the Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Again, thanks, Allie Owens, for taking the time to speak to me. All of you have a great, if I don't record a new podcast in the next week, have a great new year, wonderful holiday, and I'll see you in 2022. Thanks again for listening supporting, being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. Mm-hmm.